0: This morning, I want to share with you what I think is a very critical message. It's the continuity of what we've been talking about. But here now, we're going to get down to some very granular conversations, very practical conversations. I'm going to show you the importance of culture, and I'm going to show you what God has been, can I say, battling for quite some time and continues to battle even in the body of Christ. Fallen culture. Versus kingdom culture. Let's go back to where we were before at the beginning. Because if we can get culture right, then focus becomes effortless. In a lot of cases, we're focused on things that God is not focused on because the culture is wrong. And that goes to both in the sanctuary and the world at large. Many of the things that we focus ourselves on, they're really distractions to what God wants us to focus on. If you think about it this person shot today this person killed over here this person died over here those are really and they're horrific things but they really distract us from really what the focus should be so it is when you come in the concept in the context of the the local church this person did this this happened over here and all of a sudden rather than being focused on what what i would call critical things we are in fact distracted I will show you today, I'm going to show you something very powerful about even the Bible that we read, how to understand the Bible. But remember, we're going to talk about focus and culture. I think the team's got me ready. We did this last week, so it's just a quick review, 30 seconds to let you know that culture is actually a womb. When you put people together and they begin to think, they begin to speak, they begin to do, they begin to cultivate culture. And so all over the world, there are so many different, can I say, cultures. And then we can go down to even more granular things like the way we eat, the music we listen to, the rhythm, what we wear. All of that is cultural. But the word culture, believe it or not, comes to us from the word cultivate. It's seeds that we have sown over time that create these different cultures. And what you will also see is that the different cultures shows us something about how unique we really are in our different watch families or ethnicities. So even though we all go to this ministry or we attend this ministry, I guarantee you that if I came to your home, came to your home, your home, it would be a different culture in everyone's home. Different temperament, a different temperature, different cultures all over the world. But it's the womb. It's where we grow. It's where things are nurtured. So think about how important culture is because it's a womb. What the enemy is going to do is he's going to affect the womb and infect the womb. And I'm going to show you this in the Bible because he knows that we cannot live outside of culture. We cannot function outside of a culture. We create one. The minute you put us together, we create one. Even if we said today in this room or online, let's go away somewhere, Pastor. Let's go away to a desert island and let's start anew. The minute we get there, over time, we will develop a culture. Because that's how we are. We start to think, we start to speak, we start to do. A culture is created. It's not whether a culture is created or not that matters. It's the health of the culture that matters. The culture needs to be healthy. And you're going to be very surprised what you see today in the presentation I was talking about because we're talking about the importance of vision mission where a ministry and organization is going I was talking about the relationship that exists between obviously a vision of an organization and its culture and I'm showing you that it's it's a created environment where people work it's where all work is done it's where the vision is nurtured it's it's where we function that this just a, a, a repeat And I told you last week that it it has to complement the vision. So, for instance, whatever the vision is of your home, then the culture of your home has to complement that vision or else you're constantly battling with where you want your home to go and the reality of what your home is. No difference when you talk about a ministry, an organization, a company. It's the same thing. The reason why some people leave certain places, it's not because it's not a good working, uh, company to work for, it's not a good ministry to attend. In some cases, it, the culture is not healthy. You may have heard this term, toxic culture. There's toxicity in the culture. So something's wrong with the, the environment. And I told you that if, if the culture and the vision of a particular home ministry organization, sanctuary, doesn't complement each other people are going to be frustrated they're going to lose time and we won't be as productive as we're supposed to be and this is what i told you last week this is what we're working on now if you want to raise your hand and say pastor point your finger your ministry is not that i would say to you yes you're right and i've discovered something watch this you never teach watch what you are you teach where you hope to be it's very very important You live what you are, but you teach where you hope to be. If we were this, I wouldn't have to teach it. (laughs) We would simply have to just live it. So this is what I think confuses some people. Sometimes they say, well, you're teaching stuff or you're teaching, so you're a hypocrite. The place of no, you teach where you hope to be. You live what you are. That's very, very important. So this is the work that we have to do. Remember I told you last week, the kind of culture that we want to develop is a culture that celebrates people, doesn't tear them down. It's a culture that pushes people to be the best they can, and it's a culture that ultimately rewards everyone. And it is a culture that brings people back to life. And I gave you the scriptures for that last week. Also told you that there is a foundation upon which all culture in the kingdom of God is built. It's Galatians 5. We call it the fruit of the spirit, but really, remember, culture is what you cultivate. The fruit of the spirit is the culture of the kingdom of God, and we're going to look at that this afternoon in just a minute. So now here's what I want to show you. This is what I added this week. When I went back home, I thought about what I was teaching. I thought about the fact that culture is actually fallen. And in the midst of this fallen culture, God introduces a kingdom culture. Leroy, may I have this Bible for a second? I just want to show you something. I just wanted this to be a a demonstration piece. This is the Bible. We call it the Word of God. But would you be surprised if I told you that there are only two chapters in this book that can truly be considered the Word of God? Only two chapters. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Everything else after that is God repeating what he said, correcting what isn't lighting up with chapters 1 and 2, disciplining and chastening people who aren't lining up to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Now, I think that there are 66 scrolls in this, 39 in the old, 27 in the new. Watch this. And out of 66 scrolls, we have only two chapters that show us the ideal. So we are, by nature, accustomed to fallen culture. Watch. Behold, I was shapened in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive. I'm used to fallen culture. I'm used to toxic culture. I'm used to people... (laughs) I'm used to people not getting along. I'm used to people not supporting each other. That's what we know. I want you to get a hold of this. Genesis chapter 3 is actually a bridge between the ideal world, Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and the fallen world that's going to happen in Genesis chapter 4, all the way to Revelation chapter 22. The bulk of this Bible is depicting fallen culture and God's attempt to restore fallen culture. Genesis chapter 4, Cain gets angry in worship. That shouldn't surprise you. It's fallen culture. Genesis chapter 4, Cain kills his brother after church. Just finished worshiping, kills his brother in the field. Fallen culture. Genesis chapter 4, Lamech kills another man for no apparent reason. Fallen culture. Genesis chapter 6, the whole world and the imaginations of people are only evil continuously and God has to destroy the world by a flood. Fallen culture. We go on further and Noah, after all that God did, gets drunk in his tent. Fallen culture. And Ham strolls into the tent and looks on his father's nakedness. Fallen culture. Judah, walking downtown, sees a girl, doesn't realize that she is in fact his daughter-in-law. He sleeps with the girl, impregnates the girl, and then denies the baby. So don't be surprised when you see uh, Maury Povich uh, asking the question, who's the father? It didn't start there. Judah said, I don't know the girl. I'm not the father. And the girl said, whose bracelet is this? Whose rod is this? You are the father. Fallen culture. Lot sleeps with his daughters while drunk and produces the Ammonites and the Moabites. And they will be thorns in the side of Israel for decades. Fallen culture. Nothing new. Joseph's brothers want to kill him. Because his father has given him, watch, a coat, You want to kill your brother over a coat? Why don't you ask your father to make you another one? Fallen culture. Nothing new. Achan steals the tithe and puts it in his tent. And Israel is judged because someone takes the tithe. Jericho was the tithe of the land. That's why God said, take nothing from Jericho. And you're surprised when people don't give their tithe. Fallen culture. David whom we love and celebrate. I think I've done enough here now. Catch the Bible. David whom we love and celebrate and we sing his songs and the Lord is my light my salvation whom shall i fear the lord is the strength of my life of whom shall i be afraid israel's sweet psalmist commits adultery and conspires to murder an innocent man fallen culture it's nothing, this is nothing new jesus is crucified by his own people fallen culture ananias and sapphira decide that as glorious as the church is in all its power they're going to keep back some of the possessions that they've agreed that they were going to give fallen culture when paul writes his epistles which is it's amazing to me because all the letters that paul writes he writes them because the church has gone off course so the epistles aren't there because god wants us to know some great revelation the epistles are written to correct the church that's gone off course because in corinth there's a man sleeping with his father's wife and you're surprised when stuff goes down in the body false teachers have crept into the church unawares fallen culture this is what god has been fighting with since the dawn of time fallen culture Let me give you a scripture that depicts this a little better so you'll see. Proverbs 6. And here, in this presentation, I want everybody to see where do I fit in this presentation, including the preacher. What do I need to work on? So don't sit there and say, give it to them, pastor. No, I want you to see where do I fit in this presentation. Watch this. There are six things that God hates. So whatever they are, I better stay away from them. Amen? These are six things that God hates. But when you see them, ask yourself a question. Do I see these things functioning in the body? Watch, the seventh one, watch, the word abomination means it's detestable to God. It's it's on the level of, you know, the other stuff that we say God doesn't like. It's on that level, the seventh one, watch. What would those things be? A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood on Instagram. Sorry, innocent blood. (laughs) So sorry, sorry about that, I put some stuff in there, 21st century translation heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that are swift, running to mischief. Ready? False witness that speaks lies, and anyone that sows discord among the brethren. Did I describe the 21st century church? Isn't that interesting? God is still today battling fallen culture. He's still fighting it today. Let, let's go a little further. Watch this. This is fallen culture. These are the quick definitions of when you've got a proud look. I want you to know this, and you know what that is. It's just thinking yourself more than you ought to think of yourself. But here's what the Bible teaches that where there are proud looks, there are no promotions. We know the scriptures. It's interesting. We know the scripture. Pride goes before a fall, haughty look, before destruction. But the Bible actually teaches that a man's pride brings him very low. If you have a high brow, you have a low future. And I want you to see that. It's very, very important. Let's go a little further. Lying tongues produce no future. I have to stay here because in my lifetime, even as an unbeliever, I've never come across so much lies than Christians tell. I told someone the other day, I told someone the other day, watch this, the reason why you don't have to lie, if you don't have anything to say, say nothing. It's not difficult. Just, I don't have anything to say. But in my, I'm I'm kinda, I guess you can see I'm scratching something now, right? In my own life, I've never seen Christians tell so much lies than I've seen in the body of Christ. It's it's phenomenal. But watch this: the lying tongue is for a moment, it has no future. Watch. Bloody hands. When you destroy other people's lives, God destroys your house. One of the reasons why David couldn't build the temple and the, 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 the temple was because there was too much blood on his hands. This is very, very important. Watch. When you destroy someone's life, you're destroying their house. Reciprocally, God cannot build your house. That's something that I think people need to understand. People will do things to other people and then ask the question, why am I not progressing? Why am I not prospering? We'll even do things to each other and give a tithe to manipulate God. So it's am going to sow this tithe, and God's going to open the windows. No, he's looking at your hands. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart abides in his house. Watch, you can bring an offering to the altar with bloody hands. This is so critical. Then I understood why Cain is a wanderer. Why he has no house. Because he destroyed another man's house. Watch, wicked hearts, no world. That's what occasioned the flood. If our hearts aren't right, the world is in jeopardy. Watch, brothers and sisters. Let's go just a little further. If our feet run to mischief, we're quick to spread stuff. When I do conclusions, I'm going to show you something because I want to show you why we are not as progressive as we should be because we focus on insignificant things. And I'm going to show you a model of exactly how this is proven. Watch this. When you focus on mischievous things, you're actually creating no peace in people's lives. The words of a talebearer—they're like wounds in the innermost part of someone's belly. Let's go a little further. False witnesses, no justice. You weren't there. You didn't see it. You can't collab corroborate it. Just say nothing. Ready? Discord sowers, no harmony. Here's the contrast. Watch this. This is the contrast. Galatians 5 is the contrast of Proverbs 6. So Proverbs 6 is what God hates. Galatians 5 is what God loves. So if I'm going to work on myself, number one, I'm going to make sure that all of those things in Proverbs 6, I'm working on not modeling those things. That's part of my Christian journey. I don't want to be a lying worshiper. I don't want to be a mischievous praiser. I don't want to be a gossiping pastor. That's, I don't want to be in that culture. Because God is not in that culture. God is not where he hates. He certainly is where he loves. And so the fruit of the spirit, watch. This is what we should be working on as a body, as a people. Number one, consistently giving ourselves to each other. That's love. Anytime I can give to you, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give to you when I don't have to give to you, trusting that God will make up the difference. That's love. Greater love than this hath no man, that a man laid down his life for his friend. He doesn't destroy the life of his friend. So that's why there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The highest level of relationship that we can aspire to is friendship. A brother is born to adversity, a friend loves at all times. Joy, this is what I like. Joy is actually not me going like, yay, it's my birthday. No, joy is the celebration of contentment. Did you know that? That's what joy is. Joy is learning how to live in the moment. Watch, contentment is not the absence of of ambition. It is actually the presence of satisfaction that's what joy is i'm I'm here right now i'm i want to be here but i thank god for where i am right now I, i want this but i have this oh give thanks unto the lord that's joy and when you understand that then no one can give you joy and no one can take away your joy I know I'm preaching. I know you're not saying nothing to me, but I know I'm, I know I'm preaching. I hear angels saying, preach on preacher. Hmm? That's joy. I'm content. Hebrews says, and just be content with whatever you have because the Lord is always with you. Isn't that amazing? Watch. It's going to get better. Watch. Long suffering is being patient with life. That's all it is. It's really endurance. So even after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience. Just be patient. He that shall come will come. That's long suffering. Whatever the day gives me, I'm okay. I'm all right right here. God's on the way. He that promises not slack. Gentleness. Gentleness, watch, is not how soft you touch me. Gentleness is how soft you speak to me. Do you see that? That's gentleness because it's a soft answer that does the rest. That's really what gentleness is, the calmness of my speech to you so that my words are knives in your back. That's gentleness. Goodness, this is great. Say, what's goodness, pastor? It's just treating others right because it's good that overcomes evil. But the context of that verse is, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. So if your enemy is hungry, make them a sandwich. If they're thirsty, mix them some drink. Are you following what I'm saying? Because you overcome evil with good. And you don't have to pay back anybody. You don't have to be sitting there saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going get, I'm, to I'm get them. You see, when, when I make this, when I, when, I make, when I get out of here, when I, when I get this money, I'm, I'm going to show them. Vengeance is mine, God said. Just treat everybody right. Then all of a sudden you realize that being good is just like being like God. Because he causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. Sends rain on the good and on the evil. This is the work of Christianity, isn't it? Not, not that, That's the entertainment of Christianity. This is the work of being a Christian. This, this is the work. Anybody watch this guys, anybody can heba, ba ba. <laughs> it takes a real believer to cultivate this kind of fruit. But I'm only trying to create culture. That's conducive for what God wants done in the earth. Let's go a little further. I'll tell you why it's important. Watch. Faith. This is what faith is. Faith is hope and trust in God's good future. That's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So I hope, I trust God has a good future for me. And I stand firm on that. He has great thoughts towards me. Thoughts of good, not of evil. To prosper me and give me an expected end. I hope and trust in that. I am a threat to the devil when I walk by faith. Because what I'm telling the devil is, whatever today is, that I have a hope and trust that something better is on the horizon. For we walk by faith, not by sight, meekness is just telling my ego to behave itself. That's all meekness is, just putting my ego in check. And when I can do that, God will give me the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit. The earth, watch. And temperance. Temperance is just putting my temper under control. Because anger rests in the bosom of fools. Why is all of this important, Pastor? Watch. Because kingdom culture, not only does it make us healthy, it makes the world healthy. Fallen culture is what's destroying the body and destroying the world. Kingdom culture makes us healthy. It makes the world healthy. This is the work. And so watch, brothers and sisters. I'm going to race through this. We want a seat at the table the table of life, to be able to address the issues. But if the culture of the body of Christ is not right, God pushes the chair back in and says, not yet. I read a scripture somewhere. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. And he said, you guys are interesting. Do you know why you're interesting? He says, you go over land and sea to win a convert. That's proselytizing. You you, you go to great lengths, watch, to win the loss for Jesus. But when you win them, you make them twice a child of hell. And I thought about that. Then I realized what he was saying. You bring them from a fallen culture into a fallen culture. And all you've done is you've compounded what they were used to. But when we win them, when we get a seat at the table, we're supposed to invite them into a culture that they've never experienced before. They're supposed to say, I didn't know that people could love like that. I didn't know that people could be this content. You mean you only have one pair of shoes and you're running all over the place? Yes, because I've got joy. I didn't know that people could speak the way you speak to me. Yes, because I'm gentle. And all of a sudden, everything we want to do in the world, God makes possible. I wonder, then I'm going to stop here. You can read the rest on the notes. I wonder if the door that we're hoping that God opens is not based on the culture that we're cultivating. And I wonder if the closing of that door for so long is not based on the culture of the body of Christ. There's only one time in the word of God that I saw the church Moving in a way that she was indestructible. When they stepped out of the upper room and they were all on one accord, they were all saying the same thing. They were all making sure that no, no one lacked anything. They were selling their goods, making distribution. There was no one poor among them. And Satan looked at that environment, realizing that if I let these people continue cultivating this culture, they will turn the world upside down. Let me sprinkle some seeds of fallen culture among them and return them to what God has always been trying to deliver them from. Everyone, I want you to rise on your feet thinking now. Rise on your feet thinking. I'm thinking. Rise on your feet thinking. Here's what you're thinking. What kind of Christian am I? And you won't really know the answer until you're in crisis. You won't really know the answer until someone has done something to you. You won't know the answer until someone has spoken against you or hurt you in a way that demands either fruit or fallenness to come out. But can I tell you this? I want my enemies eat the fruit of my life that's what i want i want even the people that hate me to eat the fruit that comes out of my life i want you to lift your hands because i'm not going to stop until this culture is in this ministry from the pastors pastor Mikkel, all the way through to the body everyone bearing the fruit of the spirit online around the world God is asking his kingdom for fruit now. Stretch your hands up to God and whatever you need to shake off, shake off your life. Whatever things you don't want to become, make a decision today. That will not be me any longer. But I will be a part of the culture that bears fruit. In Jesus name. Amen.